one. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Hardware Podcast. My name is Jackson Danner, alongside my good friend Omar Porja. Uh, we are back from our little break following the regular season, so it's awesome. Good to be back as always. Omar is not participating in Hula Bowl Media Days with that beautiful number, uh, very nice 69 uh, game cut jersey. He is uh, he bought it off of eBay, so that's uh, a pretty pretty. Cool cut, man. Where where do you how do you get that? Uh, so I, I went to the game last year. Um, kind of kind of broke some rules and without the proper paperwork, but I ended up back in in Augusta like early early Sunday morning, like two three in the morning. So no one no one noticed. Um, but you know that's that's another story. But yeah, I got it for, for last year's game. Was blessed to attend it, being in Georgia last year. Uh, got a nice Spirit flight. You know, um, did not fly Southwest. You know, it was it was so. It was it was good. It was it was a great game. And this is honestly the Hula Bowl is one of my favorite All-Star games just because of unique history. Would, I'd like it even more if it was back in Hawaii, but that's just a different story. But I just I just love the Hula Bowl. It's tied with the Shri- East West Shrine Bowl as my favorite All-Star game. Absolutely, man. No, the Hula Bowl is a, a lot of fun. It's one of those that has a new feeling to it with it being in the bounce house. But it has so much history and tradition, kind of like we see with the Shrine Bowl being in the big Roomba, right? Um, but it's something that <laughs> I know Omar's not a fan of uh, no. this East-West Shrine Bowl on a Thursday night in the big Roomba. But um, but it has a little bit of a new-ish feeling to it. But it's got so much. I mean, this dates back to the 40s, man. Like this bowl, this uh, all-star game is as, as storied as any. So I guess that's a good way to get started, Omar. Tell us a little bit about the history of it. Um, obviously, this year it's going to be January 14th, noon Eastern time. It's going to be in the Balance House UCF's home stadium in Orlando. But t- tell us a little bit more about it, man. Yeah, so the Hula Bowl was started in 19... Jeez, trying to find that. 1947 in Hawaii. The original game had mainland collegiate players against local Hawaiian players, but it went. It's been an exclusive Hawaii collegiate game uh, since 1960. Uh, so from 1947 all the way to 2008, the Hula Bowls played played in Hawaii on a continuous basis until after the 2008 game, the bowl game ceased operations and would not return until 2020, January 2020, uh, where it spent two years in Hawaii. In fact, fun fact: I'm not sure how many people know that the last sporting event at Aloha Stadium was the 2021 Aloha Bowl. Um, so. With that, with all the uncertainty that's happened with uh, Hawaii Stadium, with them now playing at Clarence T.C. Ching Stadium, which the stadium situation is resolved for now, the bowl moved to Orlando, which, you know, it's sad. I'm not sure how many people hula in Orlando, but we have the hula bowl. I went last year, Vili the Warrior, the old mascot of Hawaii with the, with the Pacific Islander paint and the, and the Pacific Islander garb and the Warrior garb. He was there. He performed, uh, he performed the drums and everything, performed a, performed a dance. It was great. So there's still Hawaiian aspects of it. They did vow to put, to continue to invite Hawaii players, but I just don't think Hawaii had any really noteworthy seniors. Granted the tough year they had, which is kind of sad, uh, but maybe next year the heritage of Hawaii and the Hula Bowl continue. But that's a little brief history of the Hula Bowl. Glad it, glad it came back. We, I just want it back in Hawaii. I'm sure a lot of people just want it back in Hawaii. Nothing against Orlando, but oh, I think a lot of people, Omar, are like struggling to find that balance. Are a lot of people within the Hula Bowl uh, committee are like trying to find that balance between hey honoring our heritage 
and not putting a, a Hawaii football player that, it, with no disrespect, has no business being out there among guys that are trying to get an NFL contract, right? So I think you do have to find that balance. And no one would love it more than us for Hawaii to have guys that are at that level. We just have not seen it in recent history. It's, it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild before we do see that again. Last year, um, and- last year there was a couple guys that made, that made appearances this year. I think this year's team is just so young and unexperienced because of right. the fallout the with uh, Todd Graham. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause everyone transferred like near, like they don't, I think they only had 37 players in the roster before the 2021 Hawaii bowl, which is why that game got canceled. Cause everyone else opted out or transferred because Todd Graham pretty much ran that program to the ground in two years. It's, and it's just really sad. So Omar, um, next time you go to the hula bar, you're going to be staying at, at Disney's Polynesian, at like a, like a Hawaiian themed resort down there. Maybe make a little trip. I know it's a little bit more South of the Bass house, but. I'll tell no. you what, I'll tell you what, uh, my girlfriend, I have thrown the idea in the air of, uh, of going to, to a uh, Disney, Disney world. If, if she can just let me go to the hula bowl again, throwing that idea in the I air. I think that's a fair know? compromise. You're staying I, I at a Hawaiian theme resort. You're watching the hula bowl. You get a little dole whip it, man. It's a win, win, win. Honestly, yeah, it's, it's a win lose. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's only like 600 bucks a night, man. Like, you oh, know, you really wow. well, Jackson, thanks for telling me. Yeah. We're, we're okay. We'll find somewhere else to stay. Thank you. For telling uh, you didn't me. eat there. You didn't eat there, but <laughs> yeah, man. Well, um, if you, uh, the hula bowl, obviously the senior bowl and the East West shrine game or uh, East West shrine bowl are all, um, all have a lot of storied players. The hula bowl is not short of that, man. Like it, it had Dion back in the day, had Eric Dickerson, had Drew Brees. Like it's as far as top level talent, like the hula bowl is not lacking in alumni. So it's awesome to see that. That's something you see them advertise and something that guys could, should take pride in that, Hey, I'm playing in the same game. And it's probably only improved that, you know, that Dion got to play in that Drew got to play in. So Moody as well. Awesome to see. Yeah, Doug Flutie after his Heisman year also played. So it's like just an idea. Yes, that, yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's got it does have players from from Japan, from Canada, from the UK, from Australia playing in it this year. So it's like it does honor um maybe not Hawaii specifically, but just the I don't even want to say the Pacific, I guess, if it's in a, but you know, it's got guys from really all over the world and something that we're seeing the NFL pushing a lot more in its global expansion. Um, and just in football in general, man, football is becoming more and more popular worldwide. And then, you know, eventually hope to see it be an Olympic sport. Right. Yeah. Um, but absolutely. I'll go into kind of how does this relate from a scouting perspective, right? You know, Omar, the historian, you know me, I'm more of the nerdy side of things. So we'll go into um, really the selection process is done by the by the Hula Bowl Selection Committee. It's made up of former college and professional football players. And um, the, the number one deciding factor for this committee is guys that, quote, have potential to make a professional football roster. So 
I mean, we talked about just a couple minutes ago, you want to honor the heritage as much as you can, but everyone that's going to the game is, is going there with the intention of improving their chances to make ideally an NFL roster, though that may be the CFL, XFL, USFL, et cetera. Um, coaches this year in the Hula Bowl, I mean, it's like over 500 years of experience combined, which is insane. Mike Smith and Brian Billick. I know Brian Billick was there last year. I'm not sure about Mike Smith, although I what I do believe he was the other head coach. Uh, David Coley, you might remember the the previous Houston Texans head coach. Um, one and done there, unfortunately, but still, I mean, an NFL head coach in the building. Uh, Ted Cottrell, the former Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator. Uh, the special teams coordinator for under Mike Smith is going to be Gary Zoner. He was a special teams coordinator in the National Football League for like 13 years with Arizona, Minnesota, Baltimore, hosts a ton of camps for free agents, college kids, high school kids who want to improve their, their rankings on special teams. Like really just a lot of experience and just going to be a lot of insight considering that this isn't the Reese's Senior Bowl. A lot of these guys playing are probably going to need to play on special teams. So it's awesome they're bringing in that experience to uh, allow guys to learn in that regard. Um, uh, one more assistant that I want to point out, Tim Lewis is one of the defensive coordinators for the game. Um, he is currently the defensive coordinator for the Arlington Renegades in the XFL. Omar, it's not unlike what the Senior Bowl does with current NFL head coaches being on staff. You have like current XFL coaches being on the staff, something that uh, I, I think I wouldn't be shocked if it if it contributes to some of these guys getting an XFL contract, right? If we can see this trend continue. So um, something that I thought that was interesting. So one more thing uh, as far as how the teams are divided and all of that, uh, the teams are divided deliberately to ensure exciting and balanced matchups. Um, so I think we've seen, I, I think the days of like East versus West and North versus South, I, I think those days are long gone. I, I know we saw it the other, the other day in the, the all American game in high school, it was East versus West. And it was like an absolute blowout. So I, I think we're moving away from geography. It's just the East and the South specifically have so much talent. We're moving more towards, uh, Moving more towards uh, being uh, neutral. So, uh, Omar, if you're listening to the show, is is uh, expressing with his body language that he's not in favor of this change. Stupid. It's stupid, man. <laughs> it's but stupid it's just, to put it succinctly, as Omar but said. It's, it's okay so. because, like, with the with the Pro Bowl kind of going to flag football, it's like has has society surpassed the need of all-star games you know what i mean it's like it's sad to say you know it's kind of going that direction which i don't think games like this so it's like like last year when we were on the hbc big screen podcast right and we had uh jose jefferson the head of the college gridiron showcase talking to us like they just do drills like they don't play an actual game they play control a controlled scrimmage because like end of the day it's i don't think anyone in this and i'm sorry this is kind of like a human geography lesson but like in this in this world that's like shrinked where it's like the east or the west has become the east with UCLA, UCLA and USC becoming going to the big 10 being the same conference as Rutgers and Penn State it's not like regional rivalries matter as much like so that's that's a different story for a different time but I still think it's stupid as heck 
No, I, I would agree with you there. I, that's something I didn't even think about as far as the conference realignment aspect of it. And it has, um, I remember it was not that long ago we were talking about, it is ridiculous that West Virginia is in the Big 12. And it's like, no, okay, now we're talking about like two Los Angeles-based teams probably, you know, every other year going on the road to Ohio State. So, um, so no, that's a, that's a good point you bring up Omar. And I, I, I don't want to say that we've surpassed the need for all-star games, specifically the senior bowl, I think has never been more important in the NFL process. I think the shrine bowl is, is trying to get of that same importance to the NFL themselves. And you can really see that momentum just alone. And the fact that it's moved to an NFL stadium. Um, I think, I think a lot of these games are trying to, to put their players in the best possible situations and, and get as many eyes and in, in, in front of them as possible. So, um, Oh, one more tidbit that I pointed out to you, Omar. Uh, I always love seeing, Hey, what kind of football is being used? We do have official NFL game balls, the Duke being used in this game with a custom hula bowl logo on the side. So shout out to Wilson for sending those over. It's awesome, man. Yeah, that's got to be. Uh, you better ask Izzy for uh, for that as a birthday gift. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I I really should, man. I really should. People people laugh about, hey, who cares what kind of ball is being used? Remember how Jamar Chase had a lot of preseason drops in his first year because he he's and his reasoning was there's no stripes on NFL footballs. I I didn't see the ball come at me, and people were laughing like, oh my gosh, this guy's a bust. Uh, Jamar's doing okay, it turns out. So, you know, maybe it's good that they're getting these, you know, these little tweaks done in Hawaii instead of in August and in an NFL facility. Uh, well, I just got to say this. Jamar Chase is doing fine, but how many drop passes does Panay Sewell have in his career? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's – yeah, okay. Yeah, point taken. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, man. Well, we will move on to the main portion of the program, really going over personnel playing in this game. Uh, I think the format that we want to do, Omar, um, uh, we'll talk about two quarterbacks each just to kind of go over since that is going to be the main focus. Uh, I want to go with four skill players. So wide receivers, running backs and tight ends that intrigue us. Um, or not, not just four skill players, four offensive players. One of mine is a lineman, so I should specify um, three defensive guys as well. Uh, and then why not shout out a special teamer at the end? So, Omar, I guess we'll start off with quarterbacks, just like everyone else. Uh, who's your first, first quarterback that you'd like to see? So, me, uh, being a Patriot League guy, a Patriot League fan, savant, I think you know which direction I'm going to go with this. I'm going to go with the Josh Allen of the B train, Tim DeMorat. Uh, and honestly, this year, I don't think he was robbed in any other year where, let's say, Lindsey Scott doesn't exist. He wins the Walter Payton Award because DeMora had over 4,800 yards, 56 touchdowns passing, five rushing touchdowns, um, yeah, 4,800 yards passing. And the year before, 3,200 yards passing, 31 touchdowns. So the past couple of years, he's just been amazing. Uh, and I looked at it, looked at his tape against Ohio, a team that won the Mac East, a team that won, I believe, nine games out of the uh, out, out of the Mac. They won nine games out of the Mac and, and beat Wyoming, the Arizona Bowl. Uh, he looked great. I mean, his strength is in the intermediate passing game. A lot of great timing routes. He had a he had great time with his receiver. Uh, I think it's I'm gonna butcher his name, Photos Kokoshulis. Um, but you know. I'm sorry, Fotis, but uh, I mean, I, I I butchered your name, but uh, yeah, like he did great in the intermediate passing game against Ohio. 
Um, the one concern I think pro scouts might have that, you know, Demorat might write the ship with is against competition is against good competition because he doesn't have one game against power five. He played against Nebraska last year in 2021, uh, had a touchdown and three picks, 165 yards. Definitely wasn't his best game, but I'm excited to see Demorat play, uh, especially on national TV, because even, even a lot of Fordham's games, even their game against Ohio, when they lost, uh, 55 to 53 like that game was a footnote in the national stage um the only reason that that holy cross fordham ended up with a spot in college football finals because holy cross ran the crusaders special you know it for in overtime uh for a two-point conversion to win the game um so i mean i'm excited to see him play on national tv and i'm sure that i, I think the hula Bowl will have a lot of good viewership early on as a lead-in to the nfl as a lead-in to at least to at least uh niners seahawks but uh, a lot of eyes will be on Tim Demorat, and it's just, you know, I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely, man. Tim Demorat is a guy that we've talked about for, for so long at this point. Um, I, I, this is a funny story that I think I forgot to tell you for work. I was talking with a, a, a Fordham faculty member, um, and I, I brought up, hey, you know, Fordham actually did not bad in football this year. Like, Tim Demorat had a year, and he was like, who? So, um, you know what, maybe unfortunately not gaining the traction that he deserves on his own campus, but he certainly is in, in, uh, in I want to say NFL circles and especially group of five circles, man, like everyone knows who, who uh, are not group of five, but everyone knows who Tim Demorite is if, if you follow the FCS level, excuse me. Uh, not not the group of five, but um, but yeah, man, I'll go uh, polar opposite uh, into the spectrum, uh, although it is just a few miles south. Sean Clifford uh, from Penn State. Uh, kind of a funny story, right? Fairy tale ending with the Rose Bowl victory to cap off his career at Penn State. Sean and his girlfriend immediately afterward headed to Iceland for a vacation, and he had to head back early to come to practice for the game. So, I mean, QBs are already such an unknown, right? I'm just kind of excited to see him in a new environment, hopefully refreshed after such a such a great Rose Bowl win and a little vacation in Iceland uh, with uh, with a significant other. So, you know, it'll be fun to fun to watch Sean and a lot of um, personally, I'm not the highest on him, but I, I did not think Brock Purdy would. I didn't think he'd be on an NFL roster this time of year. So don't listen to anything I say. So. Yeah, I agree. So the same thing with like Brock Purdy for me. I, I went on a podcast saying that EJ Perry was a better prospect out of the Shrine Bowl than Brock Purdy. And, and what do you know? I I even said the Niners should have drafted Brock or uh, EJ Perry instead of Brock Purdy. I want to I want to recant those statements after Brock Purdy's great performance as a Niners fan. Uh, I was never rooting against you. I was just expressing my frustration as an Ivy League football fan. Never rooting against you, Brock. But that being if, said, like if Clifford, you had asked me to make a 2023 bingo card like a few months ago apologizing for Brock Purdy takes was not going to be on there. I, I did yeah, not foresee no, us no. ever having to do that. No, I mean, cause I thought he's just going to be this guy who's like going to hang around, kind of be like a Nate Sudfeld guy. It's like, Oh, this guy's on an NFL <laughs> roster still great. Like that's good for <laughs> oh, him, you know? I remember him. Yeah. Up here, up here in a, in a, in a meaningless week, eight, week 18 game or week 17 game, like in 2020, you know, uh, uh, on Sunday night football, all of a sudden, like, you know, the nation's watching Nate Sudfeld, that type of thing. But I'm happy with Brock Purdy with what Brock Purdy's done. And honestly, he just reminds me of a back in the back in the early 90s. 
Joe Montana out for the season, Steve Young out for the season. Who comes in? Steve Bono comes in. And even though the Niners missed the playoffs with like a 10 and 6 record, I mean, Bono did great and got himself a contract with the Chiefs. Uh, but that being said, I think Sean Clifford, it, it's like players like him. I know, I think he has pro potential for sure. Being a Penn State quarterback, we've seen Trace McSorley stick around the league, almost beat Tom Brady on Christmas, right? Um, you know, but it's, I feel like Clifford has kind of like the same career trajectory. Uh, guys like him show that the Hula Bowl is kind of like a celebration in college football. You have a Rose Bowl champion quarterback, and that's why I just love the Hula Bowl so much because, like, it celebrates guys' careers. Um, it celebrates a guy's career like the next guy, Malik Cunningham, who honestly, I think throughout his career, we just underappreciated Malik Cunningham because he came after Lamar Jackson and he did some great things. Like he pulled off the Tuiasa Sopo, one of the rarest things that's done in college football. I think only three quarterbacks have had 300 passing yards and 200 rushing yards in the game. He did that last year on the Thursday night against Duke. And, uh, you know, we didn't really give him much love, but I, I like Malik Cunningham a lot. This year, this year he was hurt. Uh, he's an all-time leading touchdown scorer for uh, for Louisville. All-time leading total touchdown score. He has uh, 120 total touchdowns, 70 passing, 50 rushing, 70 to 29 touchdown interception ratio. Doesn't make much mistakes. Great running the ball. Uh, I think I think I think he's going to need some work as a passer. But you know, I feel like if there's a, if there's a franchise that's willing to take a chance on him and develop him. Um, I think he can become a guy that can be polished as, you know, a stand-in starter, a fill-in starter, a guy like Tyler Hundley, a guy like Anthony Brown, who played in the Hula Bowl last year, um, and it already has one start to his name and uh, already, like, has two games. One game where he came in, where he stepped in late in the game for the, for the Ravens against the Steelers and just didn't make any mistakes and, you know, completed a clutch third down. I think he can be a guy like that. But the thing is, too, it's like I, I remember talking to Neil talking to Neil about, uh, I think it was either Jalen Hurts, but it's like, it's like you want your backup quarterbacks to be, to have the same skill sets as your starting quarterbacks. I just don't know how many starting quarterbacks that have the same skill sets as like Malik Cunningham, that he would be a backup for where you can just put him in as a stand-in and like, you wouldn't have to change a play playbook much. Of course, you know, the Ravens, you know, with, uh, with, with Greg Roman running the, the early 2010s Niners playbook. I mean, the league figured that out long ago. Honestly, I I, I think Roman's play calling is holding back both not just Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley, but I think the teams that he would fit on as a backup, maybe like the Ravens, the Bills. I think he has a similar skill set to Josh Allen running the ball, um, the Giants even, and of course the Eagles of Jalen Hurts. So if he can stick on with one of those teams as a stand-in star, as a stand-in backup, um, I would love to see it because Malik Cunningham is too good to not be playing football. No, absolutely, man. Malik is a guy that has such a high ceiling. Like you said, I mean, he beat out Teddy Two Gloves. He beat out Lamar for the leading touched or uh, all-time uh, touchdown leader at Louisville. So clearly has a lot of talent. Um, he needs to find an offense that is going to be uh, friendly to his skill set, though. Um, and, I mean, obviously Baltimore jumps out at the top of everyone's head, but um, but I'm looking forward to, to seeing where he lands and, and hopefully the Hula Bowl can uh, get him in, in front of the right person, right, to where they can see his skill set. So I'll go with my uh, final quarterback, Lindsey Scott, the quarterback from Incarnate Ward, Walter Payton Award winner. Um, so just uh, obviously very decorated quarterback. Fifth college in seven years. So he's hopped around a bunch. I, I look at that not as a negative, but like I, I look for him to probably pick up this playbook pretty quick from this week, as small as it is. 
Uh, he, he actually, he made the SEC academic honor roll when on the scout team in Missouri. So, you know, he's more than capable of, of learning, you know, processing all this information quickly. So Lindsey Scott, man, um, I mean, pulling for him. I think we both have for a long time. It's awesome to see him finally get recognized as much as the, uh, I, I'm blanking on his name, the running back or the fullback from North Dakota state. I honestly, Yep. Yep. I thought he would win it, but I'm, I'm glad to see uh, Lindsey Scott, uh, you know, receive the award and, uh, and move on in the, the next stage in his career. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I, I think Lindsey Scott, like you said, picking the playbook is like huge. I think I, I, I agree that I'll do that just fine. Uh, I think my one concern for him is like the talents there. I just don't know how much of it was a system at, at a UIW. Um, does they have an amazing system? I'm not saying it's a system quarterback, but um, I, I think I think that he'll do great in any system. But I wonder how much the numbers played a role. But like we we love Lindsey Scott, like just amazing. This video game numbers, like him and Demorat, that was such an underrated story in the college ball season. Like who would win the Walter Payton Award because they both put up just amazing numbers. Um, yeah, I guess just to put a bow on the quarterback position, a couple more guys that I like that are on this roster that I like a lot. I'm going to start off with with Holton Aylers. And again, we mentioned the Holo Bowl, of course, the celebration of college football. Holton Aylers has meant so much to this darn program at East Carolina out there in Greenville. Uh, 97 career touchdowns passing, 37 rushing touchdowns, 13,933 yards. Uh, also ran for 25 touchdowns in his career. Uh, ran for uh, 1,446 yards rushing in his career. And Holton Aylers is a guy that's like, he's stuck through thick and thin with that program. Uh, got them bowl as well last year. The bowl got canceled uh, due to COVID for the, uh, they went to the military bowl. This year they go to a bowl. They end up beating Coastal Carolina and Birmingham. Uh, just a great career. And he's just a big guy, 6'3", 230, can take the hits. And honestly, I mean, you know, can he can be your backup. You can even put him in a wildcat package, you know, a nice a nice goal line package as well. Um, you know, I can see Holton Aylers being that. And then also Tanner Morgan too. Uh, we, we didn't talk much about Tanner Morgan, uh, but Tanner Morgan, honestly, his his magnum opus of a performance was Penn State 2019. If you want to know what, what Tanner Morgan can do, just put on highlights of that game. 18 for 20, 339 yards, I think four touchdowns. Um, you know, Morgan throws a good deep ball, his good touch. But I think the one thing that knocks him is just he played on a run-heavy scheme. Of course, everyone focused on Mo Ibrahim. Um, and you know, I I feel like I feel like Tanner Morgan, this isn't a ceiling, but I feel like it would fit well in the USFL because USFL had really run heavy teams. Not a single team averaged over 200 passing yards per game. So, you know, you get a strong run game, get some nice play action with Tanner Morgan, and um, you know, you'll be good to go, honestly. So that just to put a ball in the quarterbacks there. Uh Jackson, who was your first skill guy? Uh, my first skill guy, I'm gonna go with Ed Lee, the wide receiver from Rhode Island. Uh, 5'10", 185, so probably going to be used more as a slot guy than on the outside. Uh, made the all-CAA third team as a uh, as a punt returner, actually, as well. So he, he made first team as wide receiver, third team as a punt returner. Always uh, helps to have that contribution on special teams. I don't know what else to say, man. It runs in the family. Like Ed's dad actually played for the Lions a lot in the 80s. Just has sheer athleticism. Played football, basketball, and track. 
was a, in high school. He was a top five wide receiver at the Nike opening in high school. Um, he's kind of a, he's a little bit of a late bloomer, uh, 72% of his yards and 65% of all of his receptions were actually in his senior year. So really has had a, I mean, obviously a breakout year, right. Um, but, uh, looking forward to seeing, Hey, it can Ed be developed a little bit more this week. Can he get some eyes? I don't think there are too many scouts, uh, going along to Rhode Island every week, weekend and win it week out. So, I uh, hope to see uh, Ed get a little bit more of a chance and uh, can make a name for himself. Yeah, Ed Lee was a guy that I originally looked at, um, you know, because I want to shine some light on, on Rhode Island, but, you know, got another Rhode Island player that, you know, to watch for myself. So I'm glad I'm glad to shout out some uh, some New England Colonial Athletic Association football. But Ed Lee, that's a guy I think a lot of things, a lot of, uh, I guess, the connecting link with a lot of these guys is like their ability to make plays in space. Uh, like Ed Lee, um, he's he's had some returns to his name. Uh, he's got kind of the build to be a return man. Same thing as my guy, Keelan Harris, who, um, you know, just an electric player out of Oklahoma Baptist University uh, out in the NAIA. I'm excited to see him go on national TV. I mean, last year, the receiver uh, from, I guess, that sort of level that got attention was Andrew Kaminsky from North Central at a 2,000-yard receiving season, which also congratulations to North Central for winning the Division Three title. But Keelan Harris, one word to describe him, he's electric, honestly. 2021, last year, 92 catches, 1,084 yards, 16 touchdowns. The year after, this year, 80 catches, 1,050 yards, 7 touchdowns. And also in the return game, too. 1,570 career return yards, 70 returns, over a 20-yard average, uh, one touchdown, one kick return touchdown. So, I mean, Keelan Harris, honestly, he might – I mean, I think he sh- I think he's worthy of a roster spot as a receiver with numbers like that. And, yeah, you can play the, the, the strength of competition game, but the guy is just a possession receiver. I mean, you can throw him the ball so many times in his game, and he just seems to get better as the game goes on. Uh, from a return man standpoint, I, I think he absolutely can. I think it's more realistic for him to – at least start off as a kick returner and then, you know, become, you know, uh, I guess work his way into the receiving rotation. So I'm excited for Keelan Harris. And I just love these all-star games. that give like guys a chance, like guys like this, Oklahoma, I had never heard of Oklahoma Baptist before this. And now I'm excited. Like I probably, I'll probably be one of their biggest fans after, you know, Keelan Harris goes off. So. I would expect nothing less, man. (laughs) I know you will be. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I will go with my next uh, skill position player. I'm another wide receiver for me, Elijah Cooks from San Jose State. Uh, 6'4", 215, so has plenty of size. He was really used as a true X receiver, uh, but he's, he's more slippery than you might think at first glance, right? He definitely has um, the ability to get yards after contact more than anything else. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he's Kadarius Tony, but he certainly has the ability to kind of have good contact balance, if that makes sense. Uh, used as a deep threat more than anything else. Uh, although even the even the goal line fade works on him with his length. Excited to hopefully get some good measurables here at, at Hula Bowl practice week and, and finally know his arm length and all that good stuff. Uh, he transferred from Nevada before coming to San Jose State. Actually has the school bowl game record for most receiving yards in a bowl game for Nevada. He had 197 in the 2019 famous Idaho Potato Bowl. If you're a Washington State uh, sports fan in general, the name might sound familiar. His sister is fourth all time for most games played in women's basketball. So uh, just something to keep in mind for a very athletic family over there. 
Yeah, I mean, Elijah Cooks as well. I mean, you know, San, San Jose State is going to air the ball out like the past 2020 and 2021 with Nick Starkle. Uh, of course, they had uh, they had Trey Walker and Bailey Gaither from the 2020 team just making making plays out in the USFL in the spring. So, you know, they're going to air the ball. Those, this year was no different. Shevin Cordero had a great year for San Jose State. Elijah Cooks had a pretty solid performance in the bowl game, caught a really great touchdown pass against Eastern Michigan in the bowl game. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he does. Um, Brent Brennan uh, just creating just a great program. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jeez. Creating a great program out there in San Jose. And I mean, I think the offense is a lot, what a lot of people think of when they think about San Jose state. Jeez. Anyway. So going on to my next guy, I'm going to stay in the mountain West. I'm going to go, I'm going to oddly enough, stay with the Nevada connection, Nevada connection flashback to 2010, right? The great backfield that they had, you had Colin Kaepernick and Toa Tawa leading Nevada or Colin Kaepernick and Vitawa leading Nevada. I already spoiled it. Leading Nevada to, uh, to the WAC championship, we Nevada the WAC championship. Years later, I mean, Toa followed his brother's footsteps. Vi Tawa was on the coaching staff as a running backs coach. Couldn't write a better story. Nevada is not really running the pistol anymore, but Toa Tawa has had an amazing career at, at Nevada. Just, I mean, a versatile back and catch pass in the backfield. 5'9", 215. I would love to see Toa play. Honestly, I'm being selfish on the Niners, but we need to stop getting rookie running backs and draft other positions like we got a couple running backs and now like Jermichael Hasty's on like the Jaguars now because we can't stop drafting running backs but uh I would love to see Toa Tawa in a power scheme like that or even like the Ravens as well you know a team that uses a fullback and is not afraid to run inside the tackles um but Toa Tawa's great size is a good catching the ball out of the backfield as he did many times with Carson Strong so I'm excited to see Toa play uh, following his brother footsteps by it's just a darn shame that there was no hula ball when by Tawa as as a kid I used to call by Tawa by Tawa the Tawa of power you know so now we got Toa Tawa the Tawa of power you know so um, you know it's, I'm just great I'm just glad to see just him and he could have transferred too let's be real like when Jay Norvell took the job of Colorado State he could have transferred too like Elijah uh, like Elijah Cooks but um, his career is a testament to just loving your school because his brother played there and just like you know it's just a great story. You know, all, there's so many great stories in the Hula Bowl. Absolutely, man. Like all of these guys have a great story behind them. And it's just, if it weren't for the Hula Bowl, at least myself, like I, I would not know really any of these stories. And so it's just awesome to see. And definitely one of my favorite parts is not just, it's not all about scouting and, and draft season. A lot of these guys is like, Hey, this is one of the last times they're going to play football as, in general. Right. So you might as well celebrate them as much as we can. So I'll go with uh with my next guy. I'll go with another receiver just because there weren't too many like tight ends and running backs that really popped off the page for me. I'm gonna go with Trey Shropshire, uh, the wide receiver from UAB. Anytime I can highlight the Brian Vincent offense, I will. Uh, he actually led the nation, man, in yards per catch at 26 yards, which is just an, an insane number. Uh, only made a CUSA honorable mention. Not really something I think scouts take into account, but I just found it inter interesting that he's, he's the leader of the nation. Not even Marvin Harrison Jr. None of these guys beat him in a very major category. And, and, and CUSA honorable mention is the best we can do.
So six three one ninety five again, more of an outside guy. Uh, when he gets the ball, he's explosive. Just doesn't have the most targets of anyone. Um, so uh, looking forward to seeing what he does here. And uh, hey, he's finally playing alongside equal talent. Maybe it, it takes a little bit less attention off of him. So maybe we can see him pop off a little bit. So I'm excited to see guys like Trey Shropshire. So something I've noticed too, something I noticed when I was looking at the receivers in this game is I noticed guys like Shropshire, um, you know, who spearheaded, who spearheaded that attack of UAB, Dwayne McBride, right? Oh, right. Over 1,700 yards, I believe. You look at Deuce Watts, you know, um, which isn't one of the players to watch, who spearheaded the attack. Every, everyone knows about Tajay Spears now when they should have known about him months ago when we were talking about him. But anyway, um, you know, so it's like a lot of those guys, I think, thrived on the play action game. Um, and it's just, I think it'll be cool to see them play in like passing first attacks. Even Oregon State has a receiver. Uh, his, his name's escaping me right now, but I saw he was recently invited. But Oregon State has a receiver, and Oregon State loved to run the ball. And I mean, I, I'm sure Jackson, like you saw that, um, you know, uh, you know, in Las Vegas, Trayshawn Harrison. So Trayshawn Harrison as well on that from that Oregon State attack loved to run the ball, especially in Vegas. You know, they ran the ball very well. Sorry, I, All right, I, I thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, thanks, Omar. But, but, yeah. to again? Uh, next question. Anyway, and anyway, but I, I just think it's interesting seeing those guys in those schemes, like kind of, you know, I guess like kind of receive like, you know, a- adequate touches, you know, just like without the shadow of a solid run game. But that being said, like on, on attacks with like deep with great play action schemes, I, I would love to see like the thrive in those schemes. Uh, going on to my next offensive guy, there's just so many great tight ends in this game. Like the tight end position may be the deepest one this whole game. And the thing is, it's like almost all of them are like FCS guys. So the first guy I'm going to go with is Kamari Averett. Um, just watching his tape, he is just amazing in traffic. Uh, for Bethune Cookman, just amazing in traffic. Kind of reminds me of uh, of Mike Gesicki. I hope he can gritty better than Mike Gesicki, which I think he can. But um, Kamari Kamari Averett had just a great year. Great, well, great 2021. I think defense is kind of keyed in on him. He had 10 touchdowns and 52 catches last year in 2021, 888 yards. This year, a little bit less catches, 39 for 445, but still seven touchdowns. So it's like watching his tape, he's got just great, great jump ball skills. Like, honestly, like you can put him on the edge, like you put Mike Gesicki and throw a fade to him and he's going to catch it. So Kamari Averett out there in for Bethune-Cookman, um honestly i think this i think that's such a smart thing just looking at the uh, money making perspective like the hula bowl struggle with attendance last year you know mckenzie milton you know bringing mckenzie milton in which i gotta say mckenzie milton's final drive in the hula bowl last year was probably one of the saddest moments in sports i've ever experienced in my life watch and that's watching on tv and watching in person like Everyone wanted Mackenzie Milton to score a touchdown or like to drive them down for the game winning field goal. And it looked like he was going to do it, but he threw an interception. It was just like, it broke my heart. But the hula ball brought a local talent in Kamari Averett, Bethune Cookman. Uh, Bethune Cookman fans travel well every year. Them and, and FAMU, fan, FAMU fans fill the Citrus Bowl. Uh, I, I, I know it's not called the Citrus Bowl anymore. Do I care? I do not care. But they fill the Citrus Bowl every year. So I think I think the Bethune Cookman fans are gonna, you know, you know, come in droves to see their guy make the short drive from Daytona Beach to see their guy play. And hopefully he catches a fade or two. Cause I mean, I, it's something to see. He's got amazing ball skills. 
Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Uh, lots of talent on this, especially in the tight end room. Like you said, there's a, a ton, of, like a hundred players in this game. I, I wish I had the time to scout all these guys. I got enamored with a lot of these receivers. So when I go back and maybe do some, uh, some post show research on some of these guys. So uh, I'm going to go, I don't have a skill guy as my last offensive player. I'm going to go with Khalil Keith, the right tackle from Baylor. Uh, 6'5", 314. He started at both left guard and right tackle. Some people think to kick him inside. I think the general uh, the general assumption, though, is that he probably will play on as a right tackle, though, at the next level. Um, I mean, you know, Baylor, you know, a lot of run zone blocking, right? Uh, he'll play alongside teammate Grant Miller in the game, so not going to be the only Bear representative over there. But um, one of the power five linemen that I think has one of the one of the better shots to make it at the next level. So looking forward to seeing Khalil play. I've seen him play in person. Wasn't scouting him back then when he was an underclassman, but uh, it'll be fun to see him play. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and there's there's a couple good linemen. There's a lineman from Shepherd from Shepherd University Division Two. I'm trying to find his name, um, but you know, I like going on with the with the tight end room. The tight end room is just so solid. Uh, Lackland Pitts averaged almost 20 yards a catch this year for William and Mary over like you know that program that had just a great turnaround year out there in Virginia. So Lackland Pitts is a guy that reminds me a lot of Isaiah Likely. It's like hard to find tight ends. You find tight ends that you know kind of like are great in the intermediate game, but you hardly find tight ends that like really stretch the field. And Lackland Pitts kind of reminds me of Isaiah Likely senior year at uh, Coastal Carolina or well, junior and senior year at Coastal Carolina where like they just stretch the field so well. Uh, so I would love to see Lackland Pitts get a shot in a in a great, you know, great passing scheme. And then another tight end that caught my eye was Ryan Miller from Furman. Furman's first ever consensus or first ever three-time All-American. Uh, 72 catches, 762 yards, uh, more of a possession guy, more of a guy who reminds me of like John U. Smith, a guy like Cameron Brait, you know, Jackson, a guy that I like. I'm not a Bucks fan, but I like the Harvard grad Cameron Braid a lot. Uh, Ryan Miller is just... I mean, he's just a guy that kind of like the ideal tight end. The size isn't exactly there. He's 6'2", 209, which is kind of alarming because I, I didn't I didn't think tight ends like, you know, were, were that small. But oh, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, like um, but again, like, I mean, I think I think he can definitely find a place in the offense as an H back, as a guy that comes out of the backfield. So I'm excited to see Ryan Miller, what they'll do with him in the flat, because the Hula Bowl is a real all-star game. They still invite fullbacks. They got a fullback from UTEP. They got a fullback from Arizona State. Last year, they had Joey Kenny playing in the game. So uh, Joey Kenny from Rhode Island. So I'm, ex I'm excited to see like what they do with the, the passing concepts for uh, guys like Ryan Miller. Um, so, yeah. And, and. Oh, sorry, we muted myself, but also too, just want to shout out those two fullbacks, which uh, let's see, we got one from Arizona State, uh, one fullback. Oh, this is, this is adding time to the pod, but uh, Chase Hatch, yeah, we got Chase Hatch and Trent Thompson from Utah, which I, I, did, I had the blessing to see Trent Thompson down here in the 915 play uh, with a great run scheme. So just just a lot of great, um, great inside runs and you know, great. You know, if you like if you like fullbacks, you know, this is the ball game for you. And the shout out to the Shepherd lineman, Joey Fisher, um, for Shepherd, who made the division two semifinals. So a lot of small schools being showed. 
Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. I think that I think that wraps up our offensive portion. We'll go ahead and go over to the defensive side of the ball. My first guy, I'm going to go with Kendrick Duncan. Uh, this safety has also played a little bit linebacker for Louisville, uh, Georgia Southern transfer. So finished up his uh, finished up his uh, eligibility at Louisville, though. Um, he's he's seen snaps really all over the field, as we're seeing in the NFL, like the safety and in linebacker position being more that line is being blurred more and more every year it seems like uh Duncan has played like though at like at, at slot corner even outside corner a few snaps like he can really add depth wherever you put him on the field so I'm, I'm excited to see where he ends up uh being played in this game if they'll kind of rotate him all around uh, I mean, he, he plays single high, can play split safety. I think it's really comfortable just about anywhere on the field. Really um, has a, a great understanding of the game just in general. He actually gained a little bit of interest at quarterback from Georgia Tech and Tulsa. So it just shows you his understanding of the game. Um, a lot of people thought that he would move on and, and enter the draft last year. Pro Football Network had him in, in an article from last year as a possible day two pick. It's really just uh, really just the athleticism that's kind of like holding him back. He's just not the smoothest athlete, um, but knows the game, can, is comfortable lining up anywhere. Looking forward to seeing Kendrick hopefully really show out and, uh, against a very good competition. Uh, you're not really allowed to, uh, to do many blitzes, many disguises, things like that in an all-star game, right? So I'm looking forward to see, hey, they're going to know what, what he's going to be doing. So it's not like, you know, he can really fool anyone there. Kid, does he have the athleticism to win one-on-one matchups? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's what this week's for, like a lot of those one-on-one matchups. Um, so we'll we'll see against like great receivers. Like you mentioned, like just like these, just like the great receivers in this game we both talked about. So uh, very excited there to see like these defensive matchups. So I'm going to stay, of course, like on the defensive secondary. I'm going to go with Benny Sapp for uh, Northern Illinois, or sorry, Northern Iowa, you and I. Uh, and Benny Sapp, like when you think about safeties, you think about like, I guess there's like different types of safeties. Of course, there's different types of players at each position. You got the guys that are, you know, great turnover forcers, like, you know, Charles Tillman, you know, great. Or was Charles, was Charles Tillman a safety or corner? I, I'm kind of forgetting. I, I thought, he, I thought he was a safety, right? Uh, I, I believe this is safety. I believe it's, yeah. I believe it's safety. I'm, do- I'm doubting myself, but yeah, Charles Tillman guys that force turnovers. You got your hard hitters. Of course you got your guys like, you know, um, Andrew Sandejo, you know, great, like your hard hitters, you're hitting focus safeties. You got your center fielders, you know, like Ed Reed. And I think Benny Sapp is a center fielder because the past two years, he's had four interceptions in each season. Um, his tackle numbers are a bit low. But I think that's just because, like, he just plays the center field position so well. He just scans the field well, is able to get those interceptions. Um, had He had six pass breakups um, and seven pass breakups. Six pass breakups this year, seven last year. Um, and, I mean, I'm excited to see uh, to see Benny Sapp play. And, honestly, like, competition's there, frankly. You know, last year he, you know, you know he was – he lined up again, didn't line up against, but Christian Watson was running routes against that Northern Iowa defense. So the competition's there. It's been there with like North Dakota. Of course, this year, South Dakota State at the uh, the Yankee brothers, Jackson and Jaden, who would have played in this game, but they're returning next year to Brookings, South Dakota. So just great. The, he plays against great competition. Like I don't think that's a doubt. And I'm excited for the Nat for the country to see what Benny Sapp has can do. 
Yeah, level of competition is not the issue, just maybe how many eyes are on it, right? So, no, absolutely. Uh, I will go with uh, another uh, Fordham player, Omar. So, uh, hopefully, uh, just let me take him, all right? <laughs> uh, Ryan Greenhagen, uh, the linebacker from Fordham, set school records there for total tackles, solo tackles, career TFLs, has a Division One record with 30 tackles at, a, at Nebraska, on the road at Nebraska. 30 tackles, that's in a game, Omar. This is like an insane number on the road. And despite it being like a 56 to seven blowout, I mean, it was almost bad as the TCU Georgia game, still 30 tackles, just a phenomenal showing on the road and, and what truly is a tough environment. So uh, I doubt it's going to be as intimidating as that Nebraska environment over there in the hula bowl, probably a little bit more relaxed, but if he can rack up 30 tackles in an all-star game against this level of competition, I mean, he's probably going to improve his draft stock a little bit. So probably won't be able to do that, but definitely look for him to be productive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Greenhagen, I think, I honestly think Greenhagen is going to like make plays for himself in this league. And I don't think it's just going to be on special teams because Again, like you mentioned, the record for tackles at Fordham, he had that like insane like 30 tackle game, I think, against Nebraska, right? Yeah, like the, the game against Nebraska. Like this, this guy has a nose for the football. You know, maybe it's a cliche, but he has a nose for the football. And I just think it's something you just can't teach, honestly. It, like, you know, sure, he played at Fordham, but it's like, honestly, I mean, he had that record against Nebraska. He was able to shed blocks and just get to the ball at the right time. So I really think there's a great future for Ryan Greenhagen. So I'm going to stay in the Patriot League because who 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 would have thought that we'd been spending so much time in the Patriot League uh, during this podcast? I'm going to go with Liam Anderson, you know, Holy Cross's first Hula Bowl player ever, surprisingly. You know, the dominant Holy Cross Crusaders have instead chosen to play in games like the Senior Bowl and the East West Shrine Bowl and the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, but not the Hula Bowl, unfortunately. Airfare from Worcester, Massachusetts to Hawaii can get pretty expensive, I would assume. But all jokes aside, Liam Anderson – part of the great linebacker duo of Jacob Dobbs who got hurt and was on Jim Nagy's radar, as we both know, uh, for the senior bowl, he got hurt. So a lot of the load was on Liam Anderson this year and Liam Anderson just did not disappoint in this Holy cross, this dominant Holy cross defense. The past two years, Liam Anderson has had 29 and a half tackles for loss, 14 and a half this year, 15 this year, seven and a half sacks last year, three this year, but he was still wreaking havoc in the backfield. Uh, teams are just keying in on more like on blitz packages. But uh, 86 tackles, uh, he had also intercepts the ball very well. Six career interceptions, three in 2021 from New Zealand, honestly. Uh, 6'3", 230, great size. I'm excited to see what Anderson can do. Um, I mean, I, I think he's a guy like Greenhagen, like where he's just – I think he can just get in the backfield. Like his nose for the backfield is just so great that, you know, like it, it's, just, it's just something you just can't teach really. Uh, so I'm excited to see Liam Anderson and that alone, you know, that is, you know, that is worth the price of admission, you know, seeing a Holy Cross player shine in Orlando, um, because back in the day, Holy Cross is a proud history in, uh, in Florida, they did play in the 1946 Orange Bowl, they did lose that one to Miami on a last second interception, unfortunately, a last second pick six, a last second pick six was like, we, we hardly ever see but um, yeah, proud history in Florida for the Crusaders. Do you think that Liam Anderson is aware of the rich history of Holy Cross football in the state of Florida? Um, I mean, there's, I think there is a banner at Fit and Field for that 1946 Holy, uh, well, they didn't win the bowl game, so there might not be a banner. 
But okay. I'm, a, I'm sure he's aware of, like, guys like Gordy Lockbaum, who finished uh, second in the Heisman or third in the Heisman in 1987 and fifth in 1986. Hey. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm sure he's absolutely. aware of guys like that, you know. No, I, I forget sometimes that there, there are schools like your school that are that are proud to hang up banners bragging about accomplishments from 80 years ago. So that's right. I, I guess it very well could be up there. You guys put up a um, statue with Steve Spurrier. You put up a, stat, a Steve Spurrier statue with them as quarterback. Brother, he won a Heisman and a national championship as a head coach. Like, come on, Heisman. that doesn't we deserve a statue. We got, we got three Heismans. What years? Okay, you you can't argue if you're if you're hyping Steve Sturry. That happened in 1966. Yeah, and that was 20 years later, bro. Bro, 20 years ago, Nebraska was relevant. So so we're gonna so we're gonna stop. Okay, okay, so I guess your rule is you're not gonna mention Steve Spurrier's Heisman, and I won't mention Army's Heisman. Your cutoff is Danny Werfel. That's the only Heisman winner. (laughs) Danny Werfel honor the only Heisman winners that you'll mention. Bro, Spurrier won it in like 66, man. It's a different, different world. Different. A lot, world. A lot, a lot of his teammates, a lot of his teammates probably aren't alive. So I mean, you know, that's that's the thing. You know. Damn, it's cold, man. Really going in. I'm just using your logic against you. I'm using <laughs> your logic against hey, you. my logic is not that 1944 equals 1966. That is not my logic. That is. That, that, it's still that's still a long time ago. I, I, well, I'm setting I'm setting arbitrary barriers too. You can't talk about night. You can't talk from. Anything 1967 on? Not you can't even talk about John Reeves. No John Reeves to talk about either. Listen, man. If 1980 jokes weren't already dead, now they're really dead. So like, I'm 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 struggling. All right. So just let me let me have it. I, I will not. I, I, I will not. No, I I will not <laughs> let it go. All right. I'm gonna move on to to Brandon Boyer Randall, <laughs> the linebacker from UConn, grad student transfer from Texas Tech. He was there uh, while getting his MBA, played four seasons at Michigan State before that. So a very experienced player, 98 total tackles, eight TFLs, a forced fumble, and a couple picks from this past year. Remarkable improvement from only 19 tackles in 2021. Uh, Coming out of high school, man, he was actually considered one of the top outside linebacker prospects in the country. We know he has the athleticism. If that doesn't convince you, we also lettered in basketball and track and field back in high school. So just a really like an athletic, fast linebacker is we're just talking about it, like combining more of that safety and linebacker position. So looking forward to seeing how they use him there. Um, if he's a linebacker, Hey, I don't, maybe we can't play like a three, three, five or defense or something like that, but maybe we put him, you know, put, put a linebacker like 10 yards off the, off the line of scrimmage, something like that, you know, get a little bit creative with where we put them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we just talked about so much of these like great linebackers and pass rushers. I mean, my next player is a great pass rusher as well. Uh, I mean, even last year, there's there's a lot of great pass rushers in the uh, from the FCS level that were in the um, in the in the Hula Bowl. Isaiah Chambers is one that comes to mind from uh, McNeese State. Uh, my next guy, how do we forget about the Buck Buchanan winner, Zeke Vandenberg, who had 14 sacks, 21 TFLs, 100 tackles, um, 6'3", 235. So, I, I mean, he's got great speed for an outside rusher. Size may be an issue, but. I think I think if he sticks on special teams, I think we'll get those reps as an outside linebacker. But you got to honor the the Buck Buchanan winner. You know, it's great for them to have the Buck Buchanan and the Walter Payton Award winner in the Hula Bowl. I'm excited to see what Vandenberg does against linemen of like of FBS size. Uh, you know, looking at this year, I mean, Illinois State uh, this year they played. 
their FC, their FBS opponent was, so I'm pulling it up right now, uh, against Illinois or for Illinois State. Got a technical difficulties here, but uh, yeah, so Illinois State played Wisconsin this year, and Vandenberg still had a very solid game. He had one sack for one yard, uh, 10 total tackles. So I think, I don't think that size and lineman, because when it comes to lineman size, I don't think he gets much bigger than, uh, than Wisconsin or like Big Ten country. So I think Vandenberg should do just fine, honestly, against NFL linemen because, you know, Big Ten Big Ten in Wisconsin, Iowa schools like that produce great linemen. So I'm excited to see what he does. Again, the issue isn't competition. It's with the m- amount of people watching the competition, you know, amount of people watching the, the players. Exactly, exactly. How many eyes are being on? And especially when we see that, that I don't want to say the line being blurred between upper level power five schools and, and the NFL, we're seeing much more analytics friendly, much more, uh, much more GPS friendly is like zebra is starting to put, you know, more GPS trackers in these college shoulder pads and stuff like that, as opposed to like, you have some group of not group of five, but some FCS schools, like struggling to get good good angles for the coaches film to be at because their stadiums aren't big enough so it's like it's a stark difference and hopefully uh hopefully this can mend uh some of those differences at least if it if it's just for a week i'm going to go with darrell middleton uh for my next player the defensive tackle from uh from bethel six seven two ninety plays every big as bit as that uh, has an interesting career man started off at east mississippi Co- uh community college then transferred to Tennessee, then to West Virginia, then to Bethel. Um, in 2019, you look at the level of competition, right? In 2019, he was at Tennessee. Uh, really had an immediate impact from there. Uh, six starts and when he played Alabama. So really the best, probably the best team that anyone has played, play, that's also playing in this game was Daryl Middleton against number one ranked Alabama in 2019. Uh, had four run stuffs in the TFL. Doesn't get much better than that. So looking forward to seeing how he plays in that interior defensive line and really what that scheme is and uh, how he can uh, hopefully dominate the trenches. Yeah, absolutely. Bethel College, I mean, it's just great. Again, like we see, like these players, you know, getting opportunities against these power conferences, you know, because all-star games, I think they mean the most to guys like that because a guy like Ollie Marpet, you know, Buccaneers legend, a guy that you're well familiar with from Hobart College getting those reps in the senior bowl, uh, even, even, uh, Quinn, Quinn, uh, Quinn Miners, uh, what a character for, uh, for, for the Broncos, uh, West for Wisconsin, the Whitewater, getting those guys, getting those reps, um, you know, during the practice week and in the game, it's just so huge for them. And kind of like shakes off some of those doubts as competition wise doubts that we have, which like for me, I mean, if a guy can play ball at any level, they can play ball. Like if you can play, they'll find you. That's like my favorite saying to hear. Uh, so that caps our defense. So I guess for our specialists, I'll go first. I'm going to go with a long snapper. We got Rob Soderholm. We have, he is the, oh, was that your guy? No, no, but you were okay. close. Okay. Cause you also want long snapper, right? You want the, the other long snapper I'm guessing. Okay. Rob Soderholm is VMI's first hula ball player and second ever first hula ball player since 1980. Uh, he's a first player since 1980 to play in the hula ball for VMI. So just a huge moment for this program. VMI has struggled uh, honestly, since the early eighties, they did have that playoff appearance in 2020, but, uh, but just, I mean, just a great, he's just a great long snapper and it's hard to quantify really. 
uh, what makes a long snapper great, but a lot of the things from his scouting report is he's also asked to pick up blocks instead of because even being a special teamer uh, in high school and even watching special teams like this, the long snappers are the first ones down there almost like all the time. But for him to also be asked to pick up blocks as well speaks highly to his capabilities and ability as a long snapper. So they don't rush punts during the during these bowl games, but it's just a great honor for him to get invited to not just the Hula Bowl the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, but he also got an invite to the Senior Bowl. So, you know, with Joe Cardona playing for, for the Patriots out of Navy, um, you know, there must be something in the water for these uh, these Senior Military College and Service Academy long snappers. I mean, I, I guess uh, I guess there's a factory, you know, or a pipeline or something, but Rob Soderholm, first Hula Bowl player for VMI since Craig Jones in 1980, must see TV. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe not don't tune in for Seattle, San Francisco and the super wildcard weekend, but maybe tune in for the VMI long snapper playing in the hula bowl. Absolutely. Um, I'm also going to go with the long snapper. I'm going to go with Alex Ward, a uh, finalist for the Patrick Manley award. Uh, one of the handful of college football awards we didn't cover Omar that goes to the best long snapper in the nation. Uh, it's awesome that he gets to play one last game in his home stadium, man. Not every day that you get to say that unless you're a South Alabama player playing in the senior bowl or a UNLV player playing in the shrine bowl, you really don't get that opportunity. So it's awesome to see Alex get that chance and uh, put on that UCF helmet one last time in the in the correct stadium to play it in. Yeah, so I have one more special teams guy, and I'd be amiss. You know, we, we love shouting out uh, smaller schools. We got Wingate. Our friend Coach John Downing is an assistant coach for that great Wingate team. Uh, Ethan Evans playing punter for he's he's listed as a punter for the Hula Bowl, but you talk about versatility. So. As a USFL fan, let's, let's backtrack to the spring of 2022. As a USFL fan, there was a consistent problem in the league, and that was with ki- well, that was with kicking because the roster sizes were super small in the USFL. I think they were they were definitely less than 40 players. Whether that was about 38 or 37, I'm not sure. But the roster was less than 40 players, meaning that a lot of rosters could only hold a punter or a kicker. So that backfired in a lot of moments. Like uh, I was one Friday night game. I think it was the Pittsburgh Maulers against the uh, Michigan Panthers. I think it was the Maulers against the Panthers, where Michael Carrizoza, great punter, he was a Ray Guy finalist, misses a game, a game-winning 21-yard field goal. You know, so a lot of guys are out of their elements. You know, uh, Ethan Evans, should he play in the USFL? He he will save he will save the USFL team or NFL team for that matter a roster spot because he's just so versatile. He he went 10 for 18 of field goals uh, this year. But going as a punter this year, he averaged 45, four, almost 46 yards per punt, 45.7, 77 punts this year. Uh, his stats for the year, 186 punts, or stats for his career, 186 punts, 8,000 punt yards, 43-yard average. Uh, 89 of those punts were inside of the 20, so nearly half of those. I think actually half of those were inside the 20, uh, 53 were beyond 50 yards. And he also does kickoffs uh, for his career, 200. Muted myself. Uh, he has he has uh, 213 kickoffs, and out of all those, 120 were touchbacks. So just a very strong leg, and he can save a team a roster spot. That's a guy who can kick field goals, who's got plenty of leg. So I'm excited to see what he what he can do, honestly, because again, there's no there's no rushes in these, so you'll get to see the leg talent he has. You'll get to see the hang time that he puts on his on his punts, and you and um, I don't think there's yeah there's not kickoffs, so you won't see that, but. I mean, Ethan, Ethan Evans is just a, a sleeper prospect in my mind for a team that's looking to use a roster spot elsewhere. 
Absolutely, man. You can always use depth in special teams. If you can, uh, if you can find a way to play some other position on either side of the ball too, that, that always helps. So, but, uh, but anytime, man, if you're out of kicker, like you're, you're just out of luck, man. Like you get, you got to hope these guys stay healthy. So um, hopefully it can get picked up as a, as a practice squad guy. Or yeah, something do you like remember, that. do you remember last year? And this is, I thought about the USFL first because I followed USFL religiously, but you remember 2021 when uh, the Steelers attempted a fake field goal with Chris Boswell and he got absolutely hammered. And so they had to use Presley Harbin as kicker and it just, it just did not go well, oh, uh, which that's that, not, yeah. that, Thank yeah, you, it's but, not, yeah. Yeah, we're not disrespecting Presley Harvin's ability as a kicker. It's just you're asked to do something like kicking and punting. It's not like you're playing Madden where you can put the punter as kicker and the kicker as punter. It's just <laughs> totally different kicking forms. Like it's yeah, like exactly. it takes it's people out of the elements and it happens. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's about it for me. Anything else you want to mention before we hop off? Forgot to show off my hula ball piggy bank. <laughs> but it's you know i'm excited for this game. honestly it is it really it is. is i'm probably the biggest uh, hula ball collector got my piggy bank and my foam football back there but i'm just excited for this game um you know it's wish it was back in hawaii but it's just a celebration of just guys like i think last year 2021 it was cool for me to see guys like peyton ramsey like who in like in a non-pandemic year would not get like that's the praise he deserved, you know, for leading Northwestern to the Citrus Bowl in like a one loss season. You know, it's it's a celebration of college football. Like Nick Starkle too last year, you know, leading San Jose State to their first conference title since the '80s. You know, it's it's just it's beautiful, and I'm so excited for it. You know, it's it, it's just it, it's amazing. I'm getting chills talking about it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. Well, I think that's it. Enjoy the game. Uh, enjoy all of this. And uh, man, it's a, what a fun weekend of football we have. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, go Niners. And until next time, peace, love and soul.